welcome to the CMIO Podcast, a show devoted to educating and informing those who are making healthcare easier for others. Whether you're involved with informatics, analytics, or new technologies that make the lives of our practicing clinicians better, this show is for you. My name is Dr. Mark Weissman, a practicing physician and CMIO and the host of CMIO Podcast. Today I'm excited to have with us Taylor Davis from the Arch Collaborative and Class, and I'm really excited about this because this program is is really what CMIOs love to do all the time, which is make the lives better. And this is the research behind all of making the EMRs work better for our people. So welcome to the show, Taylor, and say hello, introduce yourself for us, if you would. Mark, it is absolutely a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you so much for inviting me on. And we have a shared passion. I think we, we both, and maybe all CMIOs, see the potential for technology to revolutionize care and to help the caregiver, and uh, so that's what this is all about today. Thank you so much for uh, having me join. Tell us a little bit about how did you get involved with CLASS, the Arch Collaborative, and then tell us how did this start? Yeah, so CLASS for over 20 years has been doing uh, research about different vendors and ratings and rankings from executive leadership uh, that, that buys from these different vendors uh, about who does a good job. And just kind of who is class as a company? We're not a stodgy research firm. <laughs> right. I guess I have a master's in statistics, so I have some statistical background. But we're not a bunch of academics, and I don't mean that in a, in a negative way. Our goal is just to, to be out there and to help health systems when it comes to technology just really know what's going on and uh, sort of call it as it is. And so for a number of years, I've been a class for 13 years. And for a number of years, we had done these usability studies uh, where we talked to a bunch of CMIOs and say, you know, how well are your physicians liking your EHR? And we would get lots of different, uh, the feedback was so different from everybody, from CIOs and CMIOs. And it was almost always anecdotal. And so uh, about two and a half years ago, we said to ourselves, you know what? Maybe there's a way to really measure this. And we have a saying, what you measure, you focus on, what you focus on, you improve. And so maybe there's a better way to measure how well clinician acceptance of the EHR and how to uh, to really make that successful. And that's what we've been working on for the last two and a half years. It's been really exciting. Okay, so it's been going on for two and a half years now. You, you've got some data together, it sounds like. Uh, how, how many people are contributing to this? Yeah, so we've actually had... Uh, now 202 provider organizations in eight different countries that have participated in this. And what participated means is, is that they send out a survey to their clinicians regarding their EHR. And uh, so we've actually collected now 130,000 perspectives from clinicians around the world about their experience with the EHR using roughly similar questions at each of these different organizations to be able to understand what do they think about their EHR, what's working well, what's not working well. I mean, that's big numbers now. You're a statistician. Are we statistically significant yet? Do we, we have enough insights that we can say we're, we're getting somewhere with this data? We are pretty far past statistically significant on almost everything that we're wanting to explore. But now we're really looking at it from a practical standpoint. And then what gets really exciting is we have 20, now going on 22 organizations, who have done a resurvey. And so now we're actually able to start building this longitudinal a record for organizations. And, and, and so then you look at those 20 organizations that have resurveyed and you start saying, okay, well, 
10 of those 20 saw some really big gains in their EHR experience. And, uh, and 17 of the 20 saw their EHR experience go up overall. So what did those 10 that saw the really big gains, what did they do? How do we learn from them? And what about the three that went down? You know, what do we learn from them? What did they do wrong? Mm. And I would say that, that most of the questions that we're wanting to learn today, we, we've already gained statistical significance on, but we just keep having more and more questions that open up that we continue to learn that's helping us on this journey of getting to a place where the computer really does revolutionize care. So I'll tell a little story about how I found CLASS. And for those of you who aren't familiar with CLASS, that's K-L-A-S. I saw some data got picked up in, in one of the uh, medical journals that was talking about the variabilities in between, so you're on the same EMR, but there's satisfaction levels that can be widely variable. And why would that be? If I'm on the same version, I'm on the same EMR, that there's this, this, this really big difference between acceptance and the enjoyment of using that tool. And so that really struck me as why I'm excited about class, and, and we've done the survey here at my organization. I, I, won't, I won't go into details about our results, but I can say our nurses scored really, really high. I was very excited yeah. to see that. Um, so is that what other organizations do? They see this variability, and what's your thoughts on that variability? Why does this happen? It happens because as an industry, we largely missed a, a key piece of the equation, right? So we keep thinking if we add technology to healthcare, we're going to get to a really good place. But the problem is, is that what we have to do is, is in order to get to this revolution that we're hoping for, you have to take really good technology and then have humans that adopt that technology well in order to get to the revolution. Now, we still have some places where that technology could get really good. I don't know if anyone would say that our technology today is really good, but it keeps getting better. But what we have been able to quantify is that the human element of technology adoption in healthcare is one of the most complicated parts and is holding us back more than almost anything else. So for instance, let's take the current EHR market share leader. Let's take Epic out there just because they have more organizations than anything else. We have more data about them than we do any other EHR vendor. There are organizations out there where only 22% of their providers would agree that, that the Epic system enables them to deliver high quality care. There's also an organization that has 93% of their providers that agree that the EHR enables them to deliver high quality care. So when we're talking about percents and there's a 4x jump in terms of uh, over 4x jump in terms of the percentage of providers, I sort of expected that maybe we'd see a swing of 40% and a 60% or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. When you're talking the kind of swing that we're talking, you start realizing, oh my gosh, there's a huge element here that's not actually the software. And, and then even if you say, well, maybe it's just the software configuration, well, then you, you even start to look and you say, well, we still see two to three X type of swing with software solutions like Athena Health, where it's literally a SaaS solution <laughs> and, uh, um, and, and the configuration is fairly minimal. So then you start realizing, oh my gosh, there's this big human element that's really critical that we've got to be uh, very mindful of in order to make our technology successful. So it's not a mystery at this point anymore, is it, about what drives the success for clinician satisfaction with the EMR? I've heard the three main things about making sure our provider has mastery of it, that they have a say in governance, and that they have that 
personalization piece so that they feel the tool is working with them, not against them. Are, are th those are the three things I've heard. Do you concur with that or is there some other secret sauce we're missing here? No, that's exactly right what we found so far in the survey. There is a piece, Mark, that we've got to be, you know, as we continue to look forward. So I'll tell you one thing that's, that's really interesting. And here's a little bit of opinion over top of the data. So we're starting to see some, some ratings improve quite a bit. One of the areas that's not improving, so feedback in, in these repeat organizations, right? Um, so for instance, we've got 2,000 physician surveys that, and we know to the individual that they did the survey before and then they did an after survey. And, and we're seeing big jumps in satisfaction. So they're telling us that, it's a, that a good percentage of them are, are saying to say, hey, this is easier to use than what I told you on the first survey. It has more functionality, it has better integration. One of the areas that's not moving up a lot is the quality of care. And uh, this is something that I think we have to confront as we move forward. So we've got a lot of work to do to make the EHR more efficient for caregivers, right? And, and oh my gosh, that's a whole sermon by itself. But we've also got to get to a place where the EHR gets smarter and smarter. From physicians today who are using the EHR, they largely feel like that they're using sort of a stupid computer system, right? Mm -hmm. They get to a place where they start looking at the computer system, they say, no, there's, there's tons of intelligence built into this. And where we'd really like to get into the future is a place where physicians use their EHR and they say, I really can't practice the same level of medicine. Like I can't make nearly as good of decisions unless I have a computer that's helping to bring specific examples of other patients who've, who've had this ex exact scenario, a computer that's helping me not make mistakes, a computer that, that really is like a trusted colleague or even better than any colleague that I could ever have in helping me make decisions. So in today's here now, in terms of making today's EHRs a lot better, you're exactly right. It, it's, it's proficiency, it's shared ownership and governance, and, uh, and it's workflows, and a big piece of those workflows is that personalization piece. As we look to the future, I think all of those are gonna continue to matter, but we've also gotta change the paradigm in healthcare. And we've got to get to the place where EHR is a strategic guide for physicians who are using it and nurses and, and everyone else. Yeah, that makes sense. The quality piece should be foremost on our minds. I think people are still in survival mode. They're still yes. in, how do I use this tool and get through my day? And they hope the quality is, is coming along with it because they're, they're conscientious and good at what they do. They don't see the EHR right now as their partner in quality. And that should change. I really agree with you on that. I, I can't wait for that to change where the system is really that partner on my shoulder of, hey, didn't, didn't you mean to do this? Uh, this is important. Did you think of this? And not bug me, have it in the right workflow, those kinds of things. And, and, and Mark, just to kind of build on that though, we can't get to a place where that quality piece really moves if we don't have physicians who proficiently use it. And, and so we've, we've got to get to a place where they use it. We've got to get to a place where organizations are really good at taking their feedback and, and making it smarter, like the JAMA getting rid of stupid stuff article. So, you know, when you mentioned those three basics, those are really some of the basics. And, and our hope, I think, is, is that those three basics really start to get us to a place where we can launch up into the stratosphere and really change the delivery of care in some pretty amazing ways in the future, right? Yeah, I love that. Uh, I heard one of my CMIO buddies say that culture is really the most important driver of them all. That even if the provider doesn't have mastery yet, that if they have hope and if they have confidence that the system is there to be supportive and helpful, that that will get them by for now. Is that Does that feel right? Is, is there any data that supports that culture plays a role in this? 
Oh, there's, you know, culture is so hard to measure, right? Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you, it underlies everything that we're talking about here. So here's one of the fascinating things for me. This was such an exciting research question. And, and I can tell you that we had no idea what we were going to find. We really had no idea what we were going to find. So we first started having organizations that would measure. We, we'd all kind of guess based on the EHR and, and based on the organization, we'd be like, well, that's a big name EHR and a big name organization. I bet they'll do pretty well. And then all of a sudden we get the feedback back and we're like, wow, their doctors are really unhappy. And, and vice versa. And, so, and some big name organizations with big name EHRs have been very successful, right? And uh, but what, what we found really quickly was, I can't guess this very well. However, we, we started getting on the phone with these organizations. And so every time that we had a high performing organization or a low performing organization, we, we get on the phone with the organization, we review their, their results. And here's what we found. The high performance organizations oftentimes didn't realize that they were high performers. But they said, I can tell you what we really have is we have great relationships here. The low performing organizations would oftentimes say, oh my gosh, you would not believe the bleepity bleep frustrating physicians that we're working with here. <laughs> right. <laughs> just, we have the most ridiculous leadership or we have, you know, there's a lot of reasons as to why they were really pretty frustrated about what had gone on. Right. And, and sometimes even the leader that we were working with, I wouldn't say that they were necessarily negative. But they would say, yeah, we're coming out of a pretty rough point, right? And we haven't worked together as a team. So we hear this over and over again, that some of those organizations where things have gone really well, they don't necessarily think of themselves as really high performers, but they do start to say, yeah, but I think we work together as a team really well. We have really good trust with our departmental leadership. And, uh, um, and so I, when I think about the word culture, I really insert the word trust. If you, even, even if you think about like in our families, right? Well, what is a really good family culture? Well, it's a, it's a family that trusts each other, right? And, and, it, and it, that's even different than love each other. It's a family that really trusts each other. That's a mm -hmm. good culture. And so I think if we talk about organizational trust, absolutely, there, there is underlying. And we actually have a question about trust on the survey. And the correlation on that question is off the charts. So if, if providers trust their organization to do well, they, they almost are for sure also an organization that has high satisfaction. That makes sense. I was just at the Epic UGM conference and there are a lot of systems there that were talking about their training and their optimization programs. And some systems are building some pretty sophisticated training and ongoing education type programs. They've got builders, they've got trainers, they've got uh, CMIOs and associate CMIOs and project managers. And yet there's some data that I think I've seen, if, tell me if I'm correct on this, that the, the spend, the IT spend, isn't necessarily correlating very well. But how do you do this if you don't spend money? Keep in mind, you've got a bunch of CMIOs listening to you right now with pitchforks pointed at you. So answer carefully, but no, go ahead and give us your answer. What do you think about that correlation between spend and training? So, so Mark, my, my uh, responsibility in this whole thing is just to say what we're seeing, right? So, um, so, so pitchforks or no pitchforks, here's what we're seeing. I was at an interesting meeting where I was presenting with David Graham, who's the highest, whose organization is the highest performing CERTA organization that we've measured to date. And uh, David is from Memorial Health in, in Illinois. And they are not a highly profitable health system. Um, and they're fine, right? I'm not, I'm not trying to bag on their health system. It's a great health system, amazing health system. Uh, but you, you don't always get to choose your payer mix, right? <laughs> right. Um, another organization, I won't say the name of it, 
but but they are a very wealthy organization. Raises their hand and they said to David, as, as we talked about some of the training and some of the things that he's doing, they said, well, well, we don't have the same money that you do, so I don't think we can do the same things that you're doing. And, and David said, and I want his answer to be mine, so here's an answer from another CMIO. He said, look, we've had to make sacrifices in other areas in order to be able to more robustly build out a team that works with the human beings involved in this equation. And uh, so what we found is, is that after Go Live, we've shifted and it, we have less analysts, less I, true IT analysts, and more individuals who are outward facing. And, and because we're realizing that the human element of this is really critical. So we have a smaller analyst group and, and we spend a little bit less. And he said, you know what? We actually invest a little bit less in some IT solutions. So we're a little bit slower to spend money on the newest single sign-on or something like that, right? But we're investing more in people. So one thing that I will say is, is that, does this take, take investment? Absolutely. Are there big organizations that say, hey, we want to continue to have all the analysts that we had before and we want to invest in technology the same rate that we did before. And then we want to uh, to also have people who ensure that the humans using this technology are using it really well. Yeah, absolutely. And they're making millions of dollars in, of investment and they're telling us that they're doing that. And the good news is, as we see them repeat surveying, overall, they're seeing some really good returns in terms of feedback from these caregivers who are saying, yeah, things are a lot better today. So can you invest more? I think that's the question as an organization. Can, can most organizations, not all, but can most organizations move things around so that they optimize better? Now that they realize that it's not just what technology do I stand up, it's how well do I make sure I've got to get water all the way to the end of the row. I've got to make sure that, that, that people are using it really well. And, uh, and so we, we see some organizations that are able to do this in a fairly cost-neutral way, and we see some organizations that are adding on to their investment. And, and both are possible. What's not possible is for the CEO of the organization to expect both to happen without further investment. And uh, um, so that, that, that's why we think that we see some of the disparity here uh, mm. in terms of uh, not as strong of a correlation between IT spend and EHR satisfaction. And, and maybe one other organization that I'll throw out there is Metro Health out of Cleveland. Um, I was just out there, I was meeting with Dr. Kelberg, and they are an organization that has like no money. Um, you know, th their margins are so tight. They're, they're I think they're like over 60% uh, CMS and no pay. <laughs> no. And uh, so, so you just kind of start doing the math on that. Their no pay percentage, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I think it's, I think it's like 20% 20 20 or something. It's, it's huge. It's, it's horrible. And, uh, and, and they're in the 95th percentile as far as EHR satisfaction. And they've done some really creative things to get there. So we're not saying that you shouldn't invest more in this, but what we are saying is, is that you have some options to really get creative on some things. And to maybe nip and tuck from some other areas, you don't necessarily have to wait for a $1 million grant in order to really get started on this, which is good news and is sometimes a little bit grating news to hear from an independent source. So there's CFOs out there who are going to say, justify this, give me the, give me the ROI. Is there any correlation between provider satisfaction and clinical quality or financial performance of the organization? Is that data out there yet? We've got some uh, data that we've started to work on. So we've correlated the Arch Collaborative scores with the LeapFrog CPOE safety scores. And uh, so I think all of our organizations, we know that we all do this, right? We, we run our EHR through a simulation to see how safe it is, right? Is, is mm -hmm. it prone to making common mistakes and, and most specifically around medication ordering? 
And, uh, um, and then the leapfrog group gives scores out. Well, we were able to correlate our scores to theirs, and there is a statistically significant correlation there, which is interesting, which tells us that likely physicians do feel how safe the system is that they're using. And so there is some data that way. Um, we've done some correlations with like the MRAM scores in organizations that are HIMSS level seven, uh, tend to be some of the more financially successful organizations in the country. They also have dramatically higher EHR satisfaction and uh, dramatically. Um, and so giving providers the whole, the whole enchilada, <laughs> mm -hmm. the difference for them, right? And, uh, and we see that. And, and so does this measure align with some of the other measures that are out there? And, and we continue to do some research looking at, we, we were just working hard at trying to, to correlate some of the Arch Collaborative data to bond ratings. Um, but, but that's been a little bit tricky for us. So, so we're working on some of these things to, uh, to do some of these correlations, identify it. But right now, it feels like that, that, that there's some independence to this measure compared to some of the other ones out there. But it's correlated in the direction that we all kind of would expect that it would be. And uh, at the end of the day, um, we do know that the EHR experience is correlated and, and plays somewhat of a role. Probably a little bit less than what everybody thinks sometimes. But it does play a role in some of the burnout. And uh, the, the, the numbers around burnout are in the billions. They're pretty staggering. Mm. And, uh, um, so when we talk about this is something that you could really make a difference in, even, some, even at most organizations in a somewhat cost-neutral way, well, and, and then you can have uh, an impact on a number that's in the billions of dollars. But now we're talking about something that we really should, should pay attention to. Um, and, then, and then one other piece that I just throw out to is, is I, I have to admit I get a little bit impatient. And then, look, this is... This is our baby, and I, and I started doing this because I care a lot about it. But for the humanity of this, you've got physicians and nurses who are crying out saying that their tools are not working well enough, and there's things that you can do that are not incredibly expensive to make a huge difference with that for the humanity <laughs> of tools. You're and, speaking uh, nonsense now. <laughs> exa exactly, exactly. So I, I actually would say that most organizations, we, we've got 91 organizations that are ongoing members of the Arch Collaborative. And, and you know what? Almost every one of those organizations, they didn't join because of some financial formula. They joined for the humanity of it. <laughs> right. Say so this is something that we have to do, and uh, and we've got to move forward on this. So, let me switch gears for a second on you. The uh, data I've seen from class says that nurses seem to be more satisfied than physicians or, or providers in general. Why is that? Why are nurses happier? <laughs> You know, there's a combination of several things there. Um, nursing workflows do tend to be a little less complicated. And so even in the physician areas we, it, it, uh, that, that we measure, some of the more standard areas, such as family medicine, internal medicine, uh, pediatric medicine, just general pediatric medicine, tend to be some of the highest satisfaction areas. Um, some of your more complicated specialties tend to be more lower satisfaction. So there's, and that should not be a shock to anybody. Um, where there's greater complexity, you have more moving parts, and it's likely that there's pieces that are frustrating people. And uh, so, so in general, physician workflows tend to be a little bit more complicated than nursing workflows. Um, so that's one piece of the puzzle. We can say absolutely that, that physicians tend to be worse at doing education around the EHR than nurses do. Um, so nurses a lot of time are, are more common to see, and, and we have actual questions about how many hours have you invested, and, and, and organizations tend to have an easier time saying to nurses, hey, this is an in-service that we need you to do, and we need you to spend 10 or 20 hours really learning the EHR before we put you to work. 
And they struggle a little bit more to do that with physicians. And, and then physicians self-report that they do a worse job of, of ongoing EHR education than nurses do. And you have physicians who are not as proficient as nurses. We hear reports from nurses in, in this survey. I mean, we've collected tens of thousands of surveys, so we've got a lot of different comments and, and some fascinating anecdotes that come out of this. And so you've got nurses that are saying, I'm so tired of the physicians asking me how to do things. You also have a, uh, one physician said one time in their survey, I'm so embarrassed that I have to keep going out to the nurses and ask them how to do things, which I thought was incredible honesty, like Thank you so much. So there, there's multiple things and there's probably things that we don't even realize that play into that, um, that the impact and, and uh, uh, create greater satisfaction for nurses. What, one other thing that I would throw out there that we think uh, makes a difference for nurses, and we can say this statistically, it's really interesting, is that nurses are more robust to poor quality training, which doesn't mean that we should go give nurses worse training. But there's some indications that if you get a decent percentage of nurses, even like 10, 20% who really feel proficient, all of a sudden almost everybody else feels proficient. They do a good job of sharing their learnings. On the physician side, we've got a lot of kind of lone wolf physicians who are living in their world and just the way that their workflows are. I don't think this is always necessarily how they want to have it be, but they're not always working in a care team and sharing best practices the way that nurses naturally are. And uh, so there's a lot of things that play into this that, that make it a little bit harder to ensure that, that physicians have success. And, and then one other piece that I'll just throw out there that, that kind of helps complete the puzzle. What is the group that's most likely to be the most frustrated with the EHR? It's actually attending physicians at academic organizations. And uh, um, so they use the EHR a little bit less. They're a little bit less proficient with it. They, they have not thought of EHR education as really a core part of what do they do. And uh, they tend to be some of the most frustrated. So that's kind of the spectrum from attending physicians to all physicians, to residents, to nurses. There, there's a stair step in satisfaction all along that road. Yeah, that feels right. Particularly, uh, I see our nurses uh, on the nursing unit. They're working together. They will share. Uh, they'll help each other when one's stuck with something. I do see that collegiality atmosphere more on the nursing unit than I do with the physicians. They tend, you're right. They're in. They're out. They're running to the OR. They're running back to their to their clinic, or they're running to see their next patient. I don't see that. Hey, let me help you with with what you're stuck on there. With that, or did you know you could make this a little bit better? Other than the provider informaticists that are out there on the floors looking just for that type of stuff. And, 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 and Mark, let me just jump in with one thing that I think is so critical though. So nurses are a little bit more robust to poor training. Not that we should use that as an excuse by any means, but, he, but, but just, just mathematically, statistically, when we look at it, it's, it's, it's an important, important piece. But there's a little less than 15% of organizations where the nurses are, are less satisfied than the physicians. And if you want to know how to do that, if, if, uh, if, if you're the opposite of, uh, of, of Peninsula, of your organizations, where you have some really, really satisfied nurses and some great physicians also, just disenfranchise your nurses. Don't listen to their feedback. Don't invite them to your governance meetings. And uh, don't really engage with teamwork uh, from an informatics IT perspective. And you can ensure that your nurses will be the most unhappy in your organization. So it's absolutely possible to get there. And, and we strongly encourage organizations, make sure that nursing has a seat at the table because that's really what they need. They do a great job of making their technology work, but they, they, they justifiably get very frustrated when they're disenfranchised. And there are some organizations that are doing that pretty poorly. 
And, and on the converse side of that, um, some of the most successful nursing organizations are organizations that are magnet hospitals. And uh, magnet hospitals have a, a significant focus on really that teamwork piece and, and making sure that nursing is a valued part of the care team. So anyway, just, just, some, just some anecdotes around nursing and how to make nursing really successful. So does the, the collaborative is growing. Uh, it seems to be getting bigger and expanding its question set. W tell us about the future for the Arch Collaborative. You know, what we really want to do is we want to measure the EHR experience until it's something that nobody wants to measure because everybody agrees it's fixed. So we've got some work to do to, uh, to get there. Organizations that, that measure, they get a kind of net promoter type of score. And organizations that have remeasured on average see their net promoter score go up by about 10 points. So what that means is an organization that has a fairly low net promoter score of a zero, if they improve by about 10 points on every resurvey, they've probably got five to 10 years worth of work to be able to get to a really great place. You, you could kind of extrapolate, right? And, and this is very early for us to extrapolate. So we've got quite a bit of, of work to do to get to a place where, you know, if you get to a net promoter score of about a 60, you're at about a place where nobody says, hey, we should keep measuring this. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. it's working really well, right? So that alone is a pretty big, uh, pretty big piece. I think something that's also really exciting is we start to look around at this collaborative. We've got 91 provider organizations that are working really well together. Um, I, I, I'm, we're constantly on calls where we're connecting two organizations to each other and they're sharing best practices with each other. They're helping each other. And, uh, and that's really exciting for us. And we started thinking, I wonder if there's other things that we can do as a collaborative that can make a really big difference. So we actually had a, a webinar yesterday where we talked about variation and documentation quality, which is a different but somewhat related problem, right? And, and, and maybe there's a way that we can tackle variation and documentation quality altogether as a collaborative by measuring across organizations. Maybe there's other things that we can do. Surely there's other things that we can do. And as, as we now have sort of a framework for working with each other and we build some relationships and, and we're building trust between organizations and helping each other. And uh, so will there continue to be things uh, related to technology and documentation and, and some of these aspects that, 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 uh, that the Arch Collaborative works on that, that we can all work on together and really improve healthcare? Surely there are and it's going to be really exciting in coming years to be able to figure out how do we work best together. Uh, and, and I guess I just say, you know, class has a little bit of a central role in all of this. Hopefully we don't mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> right. We work together on this. If someone in the audience, a couple of hundred uh, or more CMIOs out there, CNIOs out there that are listening, if they wanted to get involved with the Arch Collaborative, if they wanted to do a survey, what's the next step for them? What could they do? You know, that is a kind question. And, and um, our devious plan, and I'm, I'm going to share it with you, Mark, here on the webinar, is that we would like to get to a place where every organization is just, there's just a weight and an expectation that I measure the feedback of those clinicians that we're serving by giving them technology. It, meaning, we need to get to a place where it's just sort of the expected that I measure. Now, at bare minimum, if your organization has no money, go, go Google Arch Collaborative and go steal our questions and go administer the survey yourself. And you can do it next week, right? I, I don't know. You have to get alignment and stuff, but mm -hmm. that right away, right? If you have a little bit of money, um, and there's, there's the, all the prices are on that same page. So if you just Google Arch Collaborative, we're the first option that comes up. 
Um, and uh, we have sort of a brochure site and, and click on the how to measure uh, and you can see some of the pricing. So, so we've got toe dip options, we've got deeper options, then we've got the full membership. Our goal on all of these is to sort of create a low cost uh, but highly disruptive offering that really allows organizations to, to make a really big difference. And uh, you know, the costly pieces are gonna be the, the investments that you make in your organization. And uh, what, what we're gonna try to do is, is really create a knowledge base so that when you make those investments, you make them well, you don't have to reinvest, you know, so that you can make the very best investments that you can that way. So anyway, th th there's a lot of different ways to do this, but the bottom line that I would say is, is that you've got to measure because you don't know what to work on if you don't measure. If we really actually want to get to a place where clinicians are adopting our technology well and, and, and the technology is, is, is improving and being used well, then we've got to measure ourselves. And a great measurement is the feedback from these really skilled clinicians in the trenches about what they think and what, what and what they hear. And, and, and I know I know I'm pushing this a little bit, but we get thank you notes all the time from clinicians in their survey saying, thank you so much for asking our opinion about this. This is the first time in 10 years of medicine that anybody has asked my opinion about this and I care so much about this topic. So even if you do a free survey monkey, this is something that your clinicians generally are going to really appreciate that you care about. And to my colleagues out there, having done the survey at our organization, the benchmarking ability, which is something that, that's one of the paid options, but to be honest, being able to understand how you measure up against systems in your size, uh, whether they're academic or community-based, it, it does make a difference to me, at least in how we interpret the data. And we're all, we try to be data-driven. I think it's important to be able to do the, that benchmarking. So that's just uh, my two cents from, thank from you, someone Mark. who's done this. Um, well, hey, I want to thank you, Taylor, for coming on the show. This has been great. Great conversation. Um, if, if someone wants to reach out to you directly, are you on LinkedIn? Is there some way that they could reach you if they wanted to? You know, absolutely. So we're on LinkedIn. If you go to that Arch Collaborative page, there's a place where you can reach out to us. Um, my email is taylor.davis at klasclassresearch, all one word, dot com. Or, or, or talk to, I, I know a lot of CMIOs out there, so somebody knows my, my uh, contact information and can send you over my way and or our team's way. And, and we just, I, I guess at the very end, I'll just express gratitude. I am so grateful to, to work in an industry with so many good people that, that join together to solve common problems. And we just work with the very best people out there. It has been such a pleasure uh, Mark, to work with you and to others on this problem. It, it just makes coming to work every day so much fun. So anyway, thank you so much for, for having me today. It's such a delight. Uh, thanks. I really appreciate you coming on and, and for the work that you're doing. It's great stuff. So my takeaway from this is you've got to measure. You've got to survey those providers and understand their satisfaction with the EHR. And uh, I I've done this. I've used the the class survey. We have no financial connection to them. Not a, they're not a sponsor, but I do believe in their product, and I'm using it. In particular, I'm taking the data from our survey and able to go to the financial leaders of the organization and say, "Hey, we can invest. We need to invest in." some of the training and governance processes to, to raise satisfaction either even higher and make us more successful. 
That's our show for today. Thank you for listening to CMIO Podcast. I've been your host, Dr. Mark Weissman. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn or email me at cmiopodcast at gmail.com or go to the website at cmiopodcast.com. Send me your ideas for shows, guests you would like to hear from, general feedback, or just to connect. And I look forward to bringing you our next episode. <laughs>